thank you, Mike, and uh, and the team. That was uh, that was amazing. Um, strangely, I was sat in the car just out the side there this morning when when I arrived at about uh, quarter past ten, and God said to me, "Forget what you've prepared." And give a history lesson. So we're going to. I want to take you right the way back to um, Exodus and chapter fourteen. The history behind this is that Israel had been living in Egypt for an awful long time. It started off that they went there because there was a famine in their land. And through the lives of people like Joseph, um, who was one of Jacob's sons, um, the, the leader, the starter, the founder of the Israelite nation. That as they, as they lived in the land, they became a little bit too numerous and maybe a little bit too powerful for, for the Egyptians. And, and Pharaoh thought, if this could turn out pretty bad for us, um, they, 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 looked, they weren't a powerful people, but they were led by God. And God was a power in those days, as he is today still. And so Pharaoh decided that he would make them work for their keep. And, and he turned them into slaves to build, to, to make, to repair everything that Pharaoh wanted. And, and so the, the Israelite nation became really downtrodden. To a point where God raised up a man called Moses. Moses didn't have it easy because Pharaoh wanted all the boy babies murdered so that the nation wouldn't increase in number. And, and Moses, was, as we know, the history of that, he was put in this basket and set out across the river to uh, one of Pharaoh's daughters. Uh, who found the basket and brought up the baby as her own. It was only when things went a little bit pear-shaped for Moses in his, in, his, in his youth, when he murdered an Egyptian soldier, that he decided to leg it um, for his own safety. And God called on him to lead his people into freedom, to lead them back into the land that he'd promised, the land flowing with milk and honey. And so we, we, we come to a point where God said, go back and, and do the things that I have told you. There will be plagues, there will be all sorts of things that's going to happen. Seven, there was a seven sort of plagues that he, that he gave to, um, to Pharaoh and to, to try and make Pharaoh let the people actually set them free from Egypt to go back to, to go into the land that God had promised them. 
things didn't quite work out. Um, Pharaoh and his magicians could do the things that God did. Um, and at the same time, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh that, so that he wouldn't actually let the people go. Because those, that Israelite nation, although oppressed, was still useful to Pharaoh. But while being oppressed, not very useful to God. And so we get to the point where Pharaoh has had enough and he says, go. And so there's, there's a, there's a past, the feast of the Passover where, where there's the blood of the lamb is sprinkled on all the doors, on all the doorways of all of the um, Israelite nation um, for the angel of death to pass and so that they were saved from all of the male children being taken. And so, and so Pharaoh said, get out, get out, get out before anything, anything else bad happens in this land. And so they decided then, Moses led them out of Egypt. And they came eventually to the Red Sea. All of a sudden, there's this vast expanse of water which, which would have taken them a long time to get round. And they started to whinge on at Moses. You've set us free from the Egyptians, but you've brought us here to die. There's no way forward. And, and it looks like Pharaoh's actually changed his mind because there's chariots chasing us. And so they had a bit of a, got a bit of a cob on. And, 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 and Moses, God said to Moses, strike the rock with your staff. And, 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 the miracle was that the waters parted. Well, we've heard all sorts of different stories about how this could happen, about it being, it was only this deep anyway, and, and how, but how this, it says in the Bible that it was a column of water separated water from dry land. Let's just read um, chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near Pi Herathon, between Migdol and the sea. They are to camp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Then the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled. Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of, of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Israelites, all Pharaoh's horses, 
and chariots, horsemen, and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near, near Pi-Hirathon, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die in the desert? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all the night the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water to the right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. It made the wheels of their chariots fall off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let us get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. 
But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses his servant. The first thing to think about is this, that it's so easy for us to sort of think, this is absolutely amazing. But what has it actually got to do with us today? It would have been so easy for the Egyptians to have stood after crossing on dry ground and looking at the Red Sea. It would have been so easy for them to think, what have we done? It was safe over there. Yes, it was hard work, but it was safe over there. We are now in the middle of a wilderness, not knowing our way forward. And we know along the way that as Moses was, was leading the, uh, the, the Israelite nation towards um, the promised land, we know there were problems. We know there, there, were, there were whinging, people were whinging because they were thirsty, whinging because they were hungry, whinging because they were in the desert, and whinging because actually it still would have been better back over the other side of the Red Sea in Egypt. So, ask a question, what's that got to do with me? I think it's quite amazing that God chose water to actually save or to bring freedom to his nation. You know, we tend to think when we are, when we are baptized that we leave the past behind. We are buried, aren't we? In the water, all of that stuff flows out of us and we come out of the other side and we think, wow, this is absolutely amazing. Personally, At nearly 67 years old, you would think that by now I have got all of this stuff all together and that I've got all of the answers and that I walk as closely to God as is absolutely possible every single day, every minute I'm awake. Unfortunately, that isn't the case. There are times when maybe I am camped by the Red Sea. And I'm looking back across at what was. Sometimes our walk with God can, can get us so close, can get us so in tune with God that something has got to go. And sometimes life can be like that. We can get, in, a, in one sense, we can get too near to God and things can go wrong. When things start to go wrong, we start looking across the Red Sea. 
we start looking across that, it was so much better over there. And there are times when we can actually, we actually turn to those things. We turn to our former ways. We turn to those things which hold us back from God. It is so, so easy to do. And yes, I'll put my hand up and I'll say that I am as guilty as anybody at going back over the Red Sea, going back into captivity, going back into bondage, going back into those things that separated me from Jesus. In the New Testament, we read after Jesus' death on the cross that Peter, who'd had three years of, of, of his life being turned upside down, three years of, of life-changing experiences, Peter was one of those Jewish boys who failed to make it as a priest. He failed to be able to understand the scriptures and to be able to memorize the scriptures. And so he was sent away from the, um, the, the, the local priest and he was sent to work in his family's business. That's how things happened uh, in those days. And so when, when Jesus called him, he was fishing. And Jesus called him to say, I was going to make you fishers of men. And, and for three years, G- Peter struggled. Peter was sometimes euphoric. And, and yet he knew that this Jesus who called him has changed his life and is going to continue to change his life. But he was taken from him. We know that he, he denied Uh, knowing Jesus on the night when Jesus um, was betrayed we know all of this and we know that afterwards he went back fishing three years I have followed this man we have had some amazing great times My, my life has been turned upside down but he's gone And it was only when he was fishing and Jesus called out to him from the shore, he recognized his voice. Sometimes there's a little bit of Peter maybe in us. There are times when maybe our our walk with, with Jesus goes a little bit stale. Maybe we don't see the miraculous. Maybe we don't, we don't feel his presence when we're at work. Maybe we don't feel his power um, when we come together in meetings like this. Maybe there is, there is something which is holding us back from the fullness of, God, of what God wants for us. And it's all about getting away from the Red Sea. It's all about, as the Egyptians looked at all of the dead bodies of those who had held them captive, that they realized that they were free. It was only then that they turned back, their back on the Red Sea, and walked away. And that is what, in a sense, what we need to do in our lives. 
we need to walk away. When we are feeling tested, when we are feeling tempted, we need to, to wrap ourselves up in Jesus, which is easy to say and very, very difficult to do when you're not feeling like it. One of the um, songs we sing, actually we sung it last week, um, What a Beautiful Name. What a beautiful name it is. And that, that song has actually won a Grammy Award in America, which is, I suppose, it's similar to the Oscars, only for music. And, uh, and this amazing song just tells of our love for Jesus. It, you know, it's, it's, it's not sort of a hidden message in, in this song. It is overtly about how wonderful Jesus is. And one of the co-writers of that song was interviewed recently. And this is where I want to get to today, if I can find it. This, this woman was asked by the interviewer, any additional words of wisdom you'd like to share with all the worship leaders and teams who, you, who are reading this interview? And actually her answer goes beyond who stands up on here on a Sunday morning and who sits at the back on the sound desk. It goes beyond leading worship and actually speaks to each and every one of us. And she said this, fill yourself up with the word and his presence in the unseen and the quiet. And then let the Lord broadcast his faithfulness through your life however he wishes to. Do not try to predict or craft how he does that. Surrender, submit, and discover endless joys in letting him surprise you. Let's read that again. Fill yourselves up with the word and his presence in the unseen and the quiet. It doesn't have to be in a church setting. It just has to be you alone with your God. Reading the word and allowing his presence to overcome you. Let the Lord broadcast his faithfulness through your life. However... He wishes. So for those, it's, it's easy for me to say this because sometimes I'm on this platform. It's so easy, in a sense, to praise and to worship when you're up here leading worship. And by the way, it's a lovely, it's one of the loveliest experiences is to watch other people worship. And sometimes I spend a little bit too time watching some of you worshipping that I forget what I'm doing. But... But that is what it's about, isn't it? It's about allowing God in. Do not try to predict or craft how he does it. Surrender, submit, and discover endless joy of letting him surprise you. And sometimes we don't want that surprise. Okay? Some of us are quite comfortable up here leading worship. Some of us, not me, uh, are quite comfortable stood here 
preaching the word. Some of us are quite comfortable on a sound desk, teaching kids over there or teaching kids in the back. Some of us are very comfortable doing these things. But what God is, what this, 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 this is saying is to allow God to do his thing in you. And sometimes that leads us into more discomfort. Doing something that I'm totally not prepared to do, or I'm certainly not prepared for, doing something which is really going to move me out of any, any sense of comfort that I've got. But it's what God wants. Turning your back on the Red Sea and those things of your former life, those things that you have been, or we have been rather, freed from, and moving into God's presence. Allowing him full access. Allowing him to work in us, doing things that we would never ever expect him to do. Ewan has got an amazing opportunity ahead of him. In allowing God to do some amazing things in his life. Pray for him, uphold him, that God will do these things and that you will be open to them. Pray those things for one another, pray those things for yourself. Because God hasn't finished with any of us, no matter how near, no matter how near God that we get, we can get nearer. We can do more for God. God can continue to change us until the day that we die and we're still not perfect. But allow God the opportunity to do those things which will bless us and it will certainly bless one another and it will certainly bless people who maybe we haven't even met yet. Just want to ask a final question. Is this something you want is this something that you want to surrender you want to submit and you want to discover endless joy in letting him surprise you None of this stuff is scary, really. But God wants to change us. God wants us to be more like him. He wants us to be more like Jesus. He wants to be less like we were at the other side of the Red Sea. Let's pray.